Second Peter chapter one, verse three through five says this, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glorious excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in the divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray over our time in your word. Lord, we just ask that you would help us to have the right response to your word tonight, to your promises, and most importantly, to who you are, Father. Help me as I unfold your word. Help us to receive it and to apply it to our lives. Help this microphone to stop doing whatever it is it is doing. And Lord God, all distractions, uh, Lord God, we just bind up every plan of the enemy. Uh, Have your way. May your kingdom come. Your will be done. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. There's a story uh, in Luke chapter 1 where two different people received the same promise, but they had two different responses. We see here in 2 Peter, it says, make every effort to respond to God's promises. So we're going to do a good bit of reading tonight. We're going to have some story time tonight, but we in church, so it's good to read the word of God, right? I heard a pastor one time uh, say, well, it's actually his son. He was the youth pastor. And he said, one time his dad got up and he just read the word for the whole like 30, 45 minutes of the whole sermon. And when he was done, he said, we need, we need more of the word of God in our lives. That's why I'm reading the word this morning. He even preached a message. He read the whole word of God. I do have a message, but you know, But we are going to have a good bit of reading. I want to show you this. I love when the Bible gives us a principle. A lot of times I love seeing an Old Testament principle, and then you can see it lived out in the New Testament. In this case, it's a New Testament principle, Paul or Peter, I'm sorry, sharing with us. Um, And then we see it in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. It says this, When Herod was king of Judah, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth was righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were very they were both very old. One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Now listen to this. 
Here's Zachariah's response. Zachariah said to the angel, how can I be sure that this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Even back then, he was smart. He didn't call his wife old. He said she's well along in years. Caught that gentleman? That's just a little marriage tip right there. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I love this. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Now look at verses 23 through 28. It says this, when Zachariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favorite woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but now he is in her sixth, she, now she's in her sixth month for nothing is impossible to God. Now listen to Mary's response. She did have a question, but now it even says, Mary responded. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. You see that? The same angel, Gabriel came down with a word from from the Lord for both of them. Two different people. Now he told, you know, Zachariah, the dad, hey, your wife's going to have a son. And he says, come on, man, how can this be? I'm old. She's well along in years. Um, And, you know, he didn't believe the angel. So the angel said, hey, you know, uh, because of that, you're not going to be able to speak. Mary, on the other hand, he comes down, tells her the exact same thing, her cousin, Elizabeth's cousin. And she says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you say about this come true. You know, there's over 3,000 promises in the Bible. So my question to you tonight is, how, what is your response to God's promises? What's your response to God's promises? You know, we're going to celebrate, and I know as I continue to read, you might be thinking, Brandon, that's the Christmas story. Why are you reading that the week of uh, of Easter? Well, I prayed this morning, asked the Lord what he wanted me to preach, and this sermon came to the screen of my mind instantly. So I said, yes, Lord. And as we were pray, uh, worshiping tonight, again, one of the songs that we, we sang was all about God's promises. Uh, and so it just confirms that I feel like the Lord wants to share this tonight. Now listen, because Resurrection Sunday is about a great promise. If Jesus then raised from the dead, Paul says this, then everything else we believe doesn't exist. Amen. So we got to focus on as we're celebrating Easter and ce- or celebrating the resurrection on what's known in nowadays as Easter Sunday. It's a promise of God, the promise that he rose from the grave. And that guess what? Me and you are going to rise up one day again, too. 
that the grave is not our final destination as we pray for these precious families tonight, you know, and, and, and their, their, their loved ones have, have gone on. The great hope of the resurrection is not only that Jesus rose again, but that we will, right? So there are over 3,000 promises in the Bible. How do you respond to them? Some you might respond very easily. Whenever God says, hey, I want to bless you, uh, you know, and with different things, you might easily, you know, be able to respond. But what about other promises? Let's look at these two. Again, Zechariah was an older man and a priest. Now, follow me here. Even though they were older and had not conceived, they were still obviously married and doing in, 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 in the natural what needed to be done to have a baby, right? As a married couple for this promise to be fulfilled. But check this out. Mary, on the other hand, was a virgin and she still believed. So in essence, even though he said, you know, hey man, we're old, how can we have children? In the natural, they were still, you know, obviously doing what needed to be done to have a baby. Mary knew, on the other hand, that she had, you know, she was a virgin. She, she, there was totally impossible for her to be able to conceive a child. And what's really cool is you may know this. Scholars say that Mary was between the ages of 14 and 17 when she got this. So not only was she a virgin, she was still a child. Think about that. You know, and that makes it interesting later when Jesus says you must have childlike faith. Mary was literally pretty much a child when she received that, but she had that kind of faith. You know what it makes me think? Sometimes people that are younger, not as necessarily age, but also people that are younger in the Lord will sometimes respond in faith to the promises of God instead of people that are maybe older and a little more religious. If you know what I mean. Zachariah was a priest. He was an older gentleman. He had been serving the Lord. He was in, in our day and age, he was a, he was a pastor. He was in full time ministry and he had an issue. I mean, think about if, if Gabriel showed up at your house tonight, when you get home and you turn on the light and Gabriel's hanging out on your couch and he's like, greetings, favored one, you know, he'd probably turn around and run out of the house or call 911 or something, you know? And so, but think about that, you know, a very, the very angel came down and spoke and, and he didn't receive it, but Mary did. God's promises was fulfilled in both of their lives, but Zechariah had a consequence. Now, even though he had a consequence, the promise still came to pass. And, of course, God used him if you continue to read the story. And we'll read some more of it in a mighty way, you know. Obviously, and that was John the Baptist that she was pregnant for. Mary, on the other hand, was called blessed because she believed. We can learn a few things from Mary and the effort she made. You remember Second uh, Peter 1, 5 says, Make every effort to respond to God's promises. So I just want to show you three things tonight that we can learn from the efforts that Mary made. Number one, or, or just see uh, some, uh, not three principles, should I say. Number one, God's presence seals his promises. Let me say that again. God's presence seals his promises. Look at Luke 135 again. It says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Obviously, Jesus's conception was supernatural, right? She was a virgin and supernaturally, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and, and impregnated her with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Obviously, if the Holy Spirit came upon her, it means the presence of God was all over her, right? Literally, on the inside and out, the, the, the presence of Almighty God came and not only sealed it, but sustained that promise. So let me say this again. The presence of God in your life not only seals, but sustains the promises that God gives you. See, it's one thing to read one of the 3,000 promises God gives you. You can read it, again, for head knowledge, and you can walk away. But it's when you experience God that it sustains the promises you're believing for. 
Because you, when you experience who God is as a person, that's going to help seal that promise in your heart no matter what it looks like. No matter how young you are, there's some young people in here tonight, no matter what you're going through, no matter how impossible it is. One of the songs, I'm not even, but that song Waymaker, I love that. Even when I don't see it, you're working. I was thinking about this. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. When God gives us promises, whether it be in the word or something specifically, you have to know that you know that you know that these things will come to pass. But one of the ways you're going to know that is by being in his presence. And that's why you have to make an effort every day to be in his presence. It says make every effort to respond to God's promises. One of the best ways to make that effort is to make an effort to get in his presence every day. Listen, church, we can't live. We're talking about victory. God has given us the victory. We can't stay victorious without the presence of God. Trust me, I tried to live free from drugs, alcohol, and all that stuff on my own, and it never worked. I take that back. It would work for like two weeks, <laughs> and then I'd fall back into it, right? There's only so much you can do. The presence of God seals and sustains God's promises in our lives. That's why we must make every day make an effort. You know, I'm, I'm constantly, there's things I'm believing God for right now, and I'm constantly getting in his presence and in his word to try to sustain me. There's things, if you're like me, uh, you have doubts. You you know God, like there's there's things specifically the Lord has told me that he has for me, that he has for my family, for the future, for the church. And And if I look in the natural, sometimes they look and seem impossible. But every morning I get up and I crack open the Bible and I begin to read and the Lord encourages me. You know, it, encur it encourages me as Pastor Todd talked about our transition a few Sundays ago. I just finished reading Joshua again and Joshua has always been one of my favorite guys in the Bible. But when you're going through a transition and you're reading about Joshua transitioning from Moses, how many of y'all know that stokes my fire? That, that helps sustain and seal the promise in me like and, and he's like talking to me be strong and courageous be strong and very courageous and what's the promise for i will be with you wherever you go that's a promise church guess what that promise wasn't just for joshua and it wasn't just for me it's not just for me he says, you don't have to be afraid or discouraged for I will be with you. You continue to read into Judges and you see Gideon. Gideon, and they're, they're all scared. Gideon's hiding in the, in the, the wine press or in the, you know, he's, he's, he's pressing out a wheat or he was doing something. He was hiding. I forgot exactly, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. He was hiding from the Midianites. He was scared. And, and the Lord begins to speak to him and says, mighty man of valor. And he says, man, how can you going to deliver Israel? He says, how can I deliver Israel? And I got it written in my Bible. I just finished reading through as well. And re I had it in my Bible. And he, he's insecure. He's unsure of himself. And this is the promise. He says, how can I do this? I'm the least of my tribe. Our tribe is the smallest. And I'm the least in my tribe. How can this be possible? You know what the Lord tells him? Here's the answer. I will be with you. That, there's the promise again. A different book, a different guy. And the Lord tells him again, I will be with you. For some of y'all, that, that's, that's, that, that's maybe the only promise you need to hear about tonight. Because all through the Bible, the Lord says, I will be with you. And when it, when it seems like, and you say, Lord, but I can't, I can't. That's why he says, I'll be with you. Because he can, right? He can, and so that means we can, right? So just the, the more you can get in the presence of God, and that's through reading the word, through spending time with God. And you hear us talk about praying and reading, but let, let, me, let me say it this way. Some undistracted time with the Lord every day. 
Because you can read your Bible, you can worship, you can pray and all that. But, but man, when you're doing it in an environment where there's all kinds, look, I, I, I get distracted easy too, trust me. But if you can make an effort, like it says in Peter, make an effort every day to have some alone, undistracted time with the Lord. Not every day you're going to sense God's presence. You know, I've never seen Gabriel with my own eyes, but I've, I've sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I can tell the more I make an effort. Pastor Todd has always encouraged me, you know, ever since I've been saved, especially since I've been on staff, he talks about there's a compounding effect of the presence of God or the anointing of God in our life. If you get up every day and you make a point to spend time with the Lord and get in his presence, some days you don't feel it. I don't feel no more spiritual than the man in the moon. I've read my Bible, I've prayed, I worship, and I'm thinking about, man, what I'm eating for breakfast. You know, what, I got this meeting, or I got, man, I got to hurry up and get ready. And I don't feel no more spiritual, but you got to understand that it compounds over time. The more you spend time in God's presence, the more his presence compounds, increases, and will seal and sustain you as you're waiting for the promises of God. Y'all tracking with me? Number two, get around other people or who are holding on to God's promises. That's so important. Get around other people who are holding on to God's promises. All right, it's story time again. Luke chapter one. Uh, let's look at verses 39 through 45. A few days later, Mary hurried into the hill country of Judea. To the town where Zachariah lived, she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. As the sound of Mary's greet, at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and explained to Mary, "God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me?" When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Tell me if that was an experience, right? I mean, you, you ladies, I've never been pregnant. My wife has been and just feeling a baby move and stuff. Could you imagine your baby leaping in your womb? You know, like what, what an awesome, an awesome thing. You are blessed because, listen, listen to this. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. She didn't say you're blessed because you're carrying God's in manifested, you know, God in, man, in, 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 in flesh. She didn't say you're, you're, you're blessed among women because you're carrying the Messiah. What did she say, church? She said you're blessed because you believe God said he would do what he'd say. What is she saying? You're blessed because you believe the promise God gave you. Isn't that amazing? It's not because of who she was carrying. It was because of her response to the promises of God or to this specific promise. Let's pick up the story of Jesus' birth. Luke 2, 1 through 5, it says, At that time, the Roman Empire, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Verse 3, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for their census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him, his, took with him Mary, his fiancée, I love this, who was now obviously pregnant. Listen, when you're standing on God's promise, it's going to be obvious to others. I love that. It was, she was obviously pregnant. That, that, was a, that was a physical manifestation of the promise. But I believe the truth in the spirit too. When we're standing on God's promises, it's going to be obvious to those around us. And you see, they work with each other. When you get around other people and they're standing on God's promises, 
you're going to notice in them, it's obvious in them too. And so it's going to continue to help stoke your fire. So you need to be in the presence of God, but also in the presence of, of, of the church and presence of other people that are standing on, on God's promise. You may be standing on two different promises. For them, it was the same thing. It was having a baby in an impossible circumstances. You may be standing on two different promises, but as long as you stand on God's word together, like, man, God said he's going to do that for you. That's crazy. God said he's going to do that for me. Man, that's crazy. But we're believing together, right? Everybody else thinks we're crazy, but you know what? We're standing with each other and believing, and it's going to be obvious to others. So listen, because when you have a promise from the Lord, which, by the way, could be your purpose, you're wondering what your purpose is in life, no one will be able to talk you out of it. No one's going to be able to talk you out of a promise that God's given you when it comes to your purpose. See, and part of that, that purpose I, promise I was talking about earlier has to do with my purpose. And so, you know, as we talked about, and we're always talking about that, that, that our vision here is to know God, live free, find your purpose and make a difference. You know what? It's something about when God shows you your purpose and your calling and what it is, it a lot of times seems impossible. But if you know that the promise is your pur- wrapped up with your purpose, nobody or nothing's going to be able to talk you out of it. Most of the time, it's just us trying to talk ourselves out of it. And that, I've been guilty of that too. But it's, it's, it's so good to get around others that are standing on his promises because, again, it will help fuel the fire that's inside of you. And, again, let, let me say it again. That's why life groups are so important, church. The thing about life groups is when you get in a, in a life group with people, I mean, of course, being here on church Wednesday night, Sunday morning, whatever the case may be. But when you're in a life group, when you're, and we have so many different types of life groups because you have different people that are seeking out different things or, or, or what. Some people are standing and want to dig in God's word and the promises he has and whatnot. And other people are just like, man, I'm trying to raise these babies and I need some help, you know? And it's like, I'm, I'm standing on the promise. My wife, we, we actually had lunch with a couple today and we were talking about that, about, you know, Cassie said, it's amazing how, you know, you can conceive a baby. She said, you can ha- carry a baby, you can birth the baby. And when that baby's here, she's like, you're still thinking like, Lord, I can't do this. You know, am I called to do this? Kind of obvious, you know, that moms are called to be moms, right? But, but like she said, but you, you know, you, you, she had to get in her, and, and I, I think I said it pretty close, right? She was sharing that with the young lady just, you know, um, about that, about our calling and purposes and even in that. But it's something about when you get around other people. See, like for moms, when they, my wife and I, we used to do young married life groups, and we would do groups with young marrieds, and it was about marriage. Then it was about parenting. And guess what? We, we're standing on the promises that, like, you know what? My kid's acting like a knucklehead right now, but I'm standing on the promises that when if I raise him up in the way he should go, when he gets older, he will not depart, right? He or she or they are all of them or whatever, right? They're not going to depart. And we would get with each other and be like, man, you know, my kid's doing this. Yeah, mine too. Like, man, what does the Bible say about this? The rod of correction. We always land on that for some reason. But the rod's just part of it, right? There's the rod of correction, and then there's the love and the affirmation and the, the you know, as a father, not provoking my children to anger, which I'm guilty of. I, I, had to, I had to apologize to my son about that just about a week or so ago. You know, and it's just like, man, I failed royally in that. Bible says don't provoke your, your children to anger, but love them and, and raise them up. In the, you know what I mean? I, and I want my son and my girls to, to, to embrace the promises of God, you know, but I'm going to stand on God's promises because the Lord has shown me this. And I didn't plan on doing this, but the Lord shared this word with me a while back. I shared it with a couple. And if you're a parent, especially you have young people, I know it's hard sometimes. We, we, and this is just a side note, I'm going on a rabbit trail here, but I just felt like I need to share it. Sometimes I know we blow it with our kids. If you're older, it might be your grandkids, it might still be your adult kids you feel like you blow it with. 
and we can be too hard on him. Like I said, I, you know, I had to apologize to my son just a week or so ago. But the Lord, one day I was repenting. And I was asking the Lord to help me, man. I just felt like the worst dad in the world and, and did something stupid or yelled at him or something. I don't remember. And I felt like that was a pattern that was continuing to happen. And this was cool. The Lord spoke to me and he said, the scripture, he, 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 I heard the scripture in my spirit. And he says, love covers a multitude of sin. And he said, Brandon, y'all love on those kids way more than y'all yell at them. So I just want to encourage you, if you are loving on your children, keep doing that. Because that word really did help me. I felt like, you know, I was getting disqualified as a parent. But you know what? We were loving our children. And that word, I feel like, is a promise. Love does cover a multitude of sin. And so if I'm making every effort to love on my children, you know, I'm hoping I'm not messing them up, which I don't think I am. I, I apologize to them and I love on them way more. So anyway, that was a freebie. That's a side note. I wouldn't even plan on sharing that. But if you're a parent, I hope you're encouraged by that tonight. Because sometimes, th- amen, amen. Number three, the third and final thing. When you receive a promise from God, you must keep it in your heart. You must keep it in your heart. Okay, one, one, one more uh, story here. Luke 2, 8 through 20. Are y'all tracking with me? Everybody follow me? I know I kind of chased a squirrel there, but it was, I think, a one we needed to chase, right? That night there, was, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel assured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. I know this is like a Christmas story, but, you know, it's the word of God, right? The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in stripes of of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the angels, I mean, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel has said to them about the child. That's why I wanted to read all that. So track with me now. They're, they're, they, they see the heavens open up, angels all over, singing glory to God in the highest, talking about this baby. And now the shepherds are going back to Mary and, uh, and repeating what, what they just saw. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. In our vernacular, everybody was freaking out, right? That's what they were doing. They were astonished. But listen to this. It says, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. They probably were astonished and freaking out that they might have thought about it often, but because they were talking about the baby in her womb, she kept these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So again, when we receive a promise from God, and now she received this promise from the angel, now the shepherds, she has the baby now, and the shepherds are telling her, hey, we saw like a whole army of angels praising God for your baby and what he's going to do. I mean, think about that as a maybe, let's just split the difference, 15, 16-year-old girl that just had a baby supernaturally. And she's, she's I mean, could you imagine? You can't wrap your brain around that. I mean, we, I just found out a couple of years ago that the human brain is not fully developed till, it's, till you're 24 years old. So can you imagine, like, even a, let's say a 17-year-old girl 
trying to wrap her brain around everything that the Lord has shown her, everything the Lord has told her, and now she has this little baby and like, wow, he's about to change the world, literally. He's about to change eternity. (laughs) All of eternity is about to change because of this little baby I hold in my arms. So what did she do? She didn't run around the streets telling everybody like, this baby is going to be the man. She didn't say any of that. She said it kept it, she kept it close in her heart and she thought about them often. So what does that tell us? The application is when we receive a promise from the Lord, keep it close. Keep it in your heart. Don't forget about it. Meditate on it. Because obviously these promises are in the word of God or from the word of God, right? Now, sometimes God does give us a promise, just like in prayer time, a download from his spirit. And that does happen. But make sure it lines up with the word of God. Because let me tell you this, the will of God will always line up with the word of God. Like Pastor Larry says, it don't have to be in the Bible to be true, but it has to line up with the Bible to be true, right? Are y'all tracking with Y'all know what I'm saying? I mean, there's so many examples I can give, but sometimes you get a promise from the Lord. But it, but as it, 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 a lot of times, I know for me, it, it comes through the Bible. And I know God does encourage me. Like I said that word earlier about love covers a multitude of sin. He spoke that to me, but it was a scripture from the Bible. And he continued it about what I was going through. Meditate on this promise. Continue to trust God. He said, it. if he says it will happen, he will, right? And how do you do that? Well, Psalm 138.2, as we wrap it up, gives us some insight. Well, it tells us how. I love the psalmist says this. I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. Now, listen. He says, your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. How do we know that God's going to come through with his promises? Because he backs it up by the honor of his name. What is backed by the honor of his name? Well, this is not true anymore, and, and you can see with our economy. But, you know, years ago, uh, money was only good unless it was backed by gold. It had to be backed by gold for it to be legit. It's not like that anymore, and that's why, again, our economy and other things are jacked up. But... It had to be backed by gold to have any worth, any value. So what he's saying is that my promises are backed by the honor of my name. So what is the honor of his name? His name is his character. God's name is his character. And it means what he's like. What is God like? Well, he's loving, he's kind, he's merciful, he's righteous. But the most important one that I think he backs his promises by is that he's faithful. He's faithful. And that's why in a minute, you know, that song, yes and amen, we're going to sing that again in a minute. Because he talks about all your promises, yes and amen. And he sings, faithful you are, faithful you are. I'm, I'm listening to this. I'm like, all right, Lord, thank you. I love how the Lord does that, how we have a message and then they create the set and they coincide and we had no idea. It's backed by the honor of his name. He is faithful. So we need to constantly remind ourselves and meditate on God's word. And, and in God's word, you find out who God is. That's why we talk about knowing God in a personal way. The first part of our vision to know God, it's not to just know about God, but again, when you experience God in his presence and through his word, his word is not to just find out about God, but who is he, his character, what he's like. And yes, he's also just, he's also, you know, all of these things, you know, but he's faithful. In Revelation 19.11, it says that when John, when he's looking at the revelation of Jesus coming back, John 19.11, when John sees Jesus riding on the white horse, he says the name that's written on Jesus is two things, and it's faithful and true. Look at that. The writer was named Faithful and True. When heaven opened up and he saw Jesus coming back, 
one of the two things he saw written on him was faithful. We can know that God is always faithful. So as the worship team begins to come up and we close, what are some of the promises that God has given you? Obviously, I named one big one tonight, general, that, that God will always be with you. Do you really believe that? In the worst of times, though, when you feel like you're all alone, do you believe that God is really with you? And he always will be with you. And I know it's hard because you're like, man, I don't even know where I'm going all the time. But you got to know that he is going to be with you. Again, there's over 3,000 promises in the Bible. Some of the ones we know about are, of course, salvation. that The Lord said he'll save us. The Holy Spirit. The, the power in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We see that promise in Acts chapter 1. He says, you know, to wait. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's a promise. That he would never leave us or not forsake us, as I said, and that he would provide for us. Philippians 4.19, it says that my God that supplies all of my needs, uh, and my God shall supply all of your needs, there it is, from his glorious riches, which have been given to you in Christ Jesus or given to us. Guys, this is a promise. Not that he might, not that he can, not that he, I think he will. What did he say? He will. My God will supply every one of your needs. These, these are general. So I want you to go ahead and stand up. These are obviously some of the four or five big ones, but over 3,000, guys. Do me a favor. Bow your head with me as, as we close. What are some of the promises that God has, has given to you? One of the ones I just mentioned, and actually the most important promise. Do me a favor. With every head bowed, every eye closed. The most important promise that the Lord has ever made to us is that if we would repent of our sins and ask the Lord to forgive us of our sins, that he would forgive us, that he would save us, and that we would spend eternity with him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, Brandon, you know what? I don't know if I'm right with God. Again, you know, we, 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 that's just two people just this week that we know connected to this church. Both these people died suddenly. There was, it was unexpected. They wasn't waiting for a day. It was suddenly, if, if you died suddenly, are you right with God? Have you received the promise of, of forgiveness, of salvation? If you would say, Brandon, you know, man, I'm not sure if, if I died suddenly right now, I don't know if I'm right with God. I don't know if I've been forgiven. Whatever head bowed, every eye closed, I just ask that nobody look around. Out of reverence for the Lord and respect for others, just ask yourself that question. If you're not sure and you say, Brandon, I don't know for sure, man, I need to get right with God. I, I want to receive the promise of forgiveness and salvation. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand and say, man, I need to get right. Sir, I see your hand over here. Anybody else? Anybody else? Ma'am, I see your hand in the back. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Before we pray, thank you, Lord. Thank you all for being so bold, ma'am, sir. Anybody else? All right, for those that just raise your hand, the Bible makes it clear. If you believe in your heart, ma'am, I see your hand right here. Thank you. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. And part of that is confessing your sin and repenting means turn away from your sin. So listen, we're going to all pray together. And I want y'all that raise your hands. Just pray this out loud. We'll pray as a church family together with you in agreement. Just say this, Lord Jesus, thank you for every promise that you've made and every promise that you fulfill. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for making a way that I can be forgiven and that I can be saved. Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned and I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior. Now give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you and to stand and believe every promise that you've made. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, why don't we give these a round of applause? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, hey, for those of y'all that, that, that raised your hand and you prayed that prayer for the first time, there's a card in the pew right in front of you. It says, I made a decision. Hey, do me a favor. After the song, we're going to sing one more song together and just a declaration of God's promises. I want you to fill that card out, send it, uh, give it to the info center, or come give it to me after. We want to pray for you. we got a Bible for you. So, hey, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and, and, and close out in prayer right now. And so after this song's over, we'll be dismissed. Father, I thank you for every promise, for who you are, for your grace, your love, and your mercy. I pray you bless all of these as they go tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer for anything after the song, go ahead and come on up. If not, you'll have a great night. Amen.